You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Now, friends, look, the term hadn't been thought of when I was 15 years of age. But I know, looking back, I was sweating bullets. That's the term. I was swe- My heart was racing. It was pounding. I was as nervous as anything on that night. But th- this was pretty much standard procedure for me on a Sunday night. Every Sunday night. Can you believe it? All through those early teenage years. Because you see, I was part of a, a church about 35 minutes drive from here, Wiley Park Church of Christ doesn't exist now. There's a block of flats where it used to exist on King George Road. And I was, about the, I was the only one of about eight teenagers associated with that church who hadn't been baptised. And the little congregation knew that. And, and, and like the pressure during what was called the invitation hymn, the pressure to step out was just huge. And, and there were actually people, there was an old elder, and he, would be, he knew I was at the back. And during the song, he would actually turn around and have a little look to see if, the day, if, the, if today was the day Graham Agnew was going to crack and, and, and come forward. And you see, and this is going to sound crazy, but look, and some of you have had this sort of background. Look, in those days, baptism was always, always preceded by somebody coming to the front of a meeting and answering, I will, to the question, will you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? That was the only way you could do it. Now, look, at 15, I mean, having been raised in a Christian home where we went to church morning and night for basically since birth, ever since I could talk, I could have answered yes to that question. <laughs> I love God. I love. I, I could, but but that, that wasn't how it was done. Nobody ever asked me. <laughs> it was all about... Come to the front because that's where you're going to do it. So even my parents, they, they knew that was the, the only way. So on this particular night, I made the decision under the preaching of a guy called Colin Bowser to step out. And of course, it was uh, in May of my 15th year. And as you would expect, there was a lot of rejoicing, a lot of celebration. My parents were crying and it was all... I, I can remember the night very, very clearly, actually. Tremendous weight off my shoulders that I'd finally done it and didn't have to sort of... Uh, cope with the stares and the glares. Some of you, I had a girl that actually said she'd go out with me if I got baptised. <laughs> and, and, and you would have had to have met that girl to recognise that that wasn't exactly an incentive. Uh, it, was, uh, it, actually, it actually could have been a, it could have been a hindrance. Uh, it was, but look, guys, it, that night, look, and I can remember it clearly, um, that night would help to shape and define my future life. You see... My decision to, fo- to follow Jesus began a quest to discover why am I here? Now, I had for many years believed I was destined to become, as numbers of you know, a, a, a successful businessman like my dad. That was my all-consuming passion right through the early days of high school and even late, late in primary school. I, I wanted to be... Like my dad, I want to have a company car, I want to have a nice briefcase, I want to get dressed in suits. That's what I thought being in business was all about. Well, I can still recall the ad I responded to when I was living in Perth. You know, do you want, we're looking for young men with a, who want a career in commerce, BP Australia. And it was just like a, it just sort of lit up on the page. I responded to that, to that ad, got the job and, and, and had experience in that company with the, through basically all of their divisions in, in, in a number of states. Now, as it turned out, 
of course, I was to discover that my vocation would not be in the motor spirit business, it would be in the Holy Spirit business. And that was the big change that was to come a little bit later on. But I would have, I had no idea of knowing at that stage that I would have the, the incalculable blessing of doing for the past 40 years what I know I was meant to do. I, I know not everybody gets that privilege. A lot, a lot of people never find out exactly, never feel happy and, and really comfortable in what they eventually end up doing. But I've known that for 40 years and I live each day with the conviction that I am doing what I was destined to do. And friends, as you can appreciate, that has really had an impact on my level of motivation in ministry. I mean, that's when you've got that sort of conviction, you, you can really go for it. And it's, it's had an impact on the level of, uh, on the scope of my goals, the size of my, of my vision. Linked to this is the fact that my decision to follow Jesus determined those who would be the primary influencers in my life. More than we realise, most of the time we are influenced by the people we hang around with. We, we, we know that. We're influenced greatly by the people we hang around with. I, you shouldn't argue from extremes, but I saw this when I first went to my last church, Marian Church of Christ. The church itself was located in a suburb called Mitchell Park, which was a very, in those days, a very high welfare dependent suburb. And crime was, was rife. And, and, and kids were growing up under very difficult circumstances. And we were ministering in that environment. And it used to break my heart to see how sort of crime and, and getting into trouble became a generational thing. You know, just kids were exposed to it within their own family and across the road with the neighbours and they were drawn into it, whether they wanted to be or not. And you just sort of see it became sort of a generation. We are influenced greatly by the people we hang around with. Like anyone growing up, many people influenced my life, the people I work with, the people I hung out with socially, the people who crossed my paths for both short and longer periods of time. But the primary influencers, those who modelled a certain lifestyle, those who helped to shape my values, who, who helped to form my vision for the future, they were all members of the Church of Jesus Christ, as it was then spread out around Australia. Because that's where I hung out for a lot of the time. That's where I hung out. I've been a leader in the Christian church since I was 19, consistently, no breaks. I mean, I've had holidays, but I've never sort of thought, yeah, well, two or three years, I'm just going to step out of leadership and have a, have a rest for a while. I've been in leadership ever since 19 years without a break. Now, from one angle, people could say, what? You've had a very sheltered life. I mean, you've just hung around the church all your life and you've only been influenced by Christians. Gee, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty sheltered. That's pretty narrow, isn't it? Well, look, friends, you know, that, that would be a valid comment if these influencers had all been cloistered, pious, sanctimonious mystics without any contact with the world. Maybe you could say that if I'd been sort of in a monastery somewhere. But in my case, nothing could be further from the truth. Because the men and women who've had an impact on my life have been people of deep faith in God, who've also been people very confident, very comfortable, very competent out there in the world. Paul in Romans 12 too, he talks about being in the world but not of the world. And looking back, the influences in my life over the years, including many of you in this church, 
have been people who by the grace of God have been able to find that balance very effectively, being in the world but not of the world. And they have exhibited qualities like courage, conviction, vision, wisdom, love, strength, faith, and ability to discern spiritual issues and not just the issues that you see that are apparent, that are obvious. People with the ability to go deeper. Now, when you're hanging around people who exhibit these sort of traits, from my perspective, you know you're in the right place. These are the things we all need. Praise God, these are the things that I've been exposed to over the years. They've had a very significant impact on me. Closely linked to this point, my decision to follow Jesus has established a reference point for the significant choices I would need to make in life. And that reference point has really been the teachings of Jesus Christ as contained in this book. And not just the reading of this book, but the sermons I've heard and given, the, 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 the articles I've read, the books I've read, the, the experiences I've had that have all been designed to explain this book. I've been helped in powerful ways to make decisions across every part of my life. The choice of a life's partner, how to use my finances, how to cope with stress and worry, how to, the ways I've tried to treat people, my response to challenges. It's all there in this book. It's an amazing book. It's a living book. The teachings of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit are the moral and ethical GPS system available to all of us. They, they really are. This, this, Jesus Christ, you're talking about defining moments. His entry onto the stage of human history was the defining moment in all of history. And we have the great privilege of following him and his teachings today. Jesus once said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Now, friends, on the basis of that promise it's possible to consistently make decisions that are liberating and provide a high degree of release in contrast to decisions that can prove whilst attractive on the surface can prove to be very restrictive may even lead to various forms of captivity if you know what I mean and we could unpack that a bit more if we had time we've got to move on my decision to follow Jesus has provided me with a means of coping with adversity now, I'm aware that compared to some people I know and people to whom I've ministered, it could probably be said of Graham Agnew, I, I've, I've had a relatively easy life. I've not suffered any severe health problems. I've not been through the pain of divorce. I've not lost a, a spouse or a child. I've not been through financial loss and ruin. Just a few of the points that would make me different to some of you even listening to me right now. Much of the adversity and the difficulty I've suffered has arisen out of my decision to be a leader, to take on the mantle of leadership all those years ago. Uh, most of the suffering has been along the lines of me going with my dreams, taking people on a journey in pursuit of a vision, moving through setbacks and opposition to reach a goal. Let's face it, adversity comes in many forms, in many forms. But here's the thing, inevitably, it does come. Adversity comes to all of us at one point or another. And as a, as a Christian, as a Christian, my way of coping is not to blame God and, and, and look for simplistic theological answers based on a proof text here and there. That's not been the pathway. My way of coping has been to constantly affirm prayerfully and purposefully a number of affirmations 
to the point where I think they've become kind of part of my DNA, part of my lifestyle, because I know I can I share them with people spontaneously and without even thinking about it a lot all the time in my pastoral ministry. These are just some of the affirmations. God is good. He's not there with the intention of smacking you around and making life tough for you. That's not his intention. God is good. Secondly, bad stuff happens to good people. Deal with it. it, it no, don't try to explain it. It's just a reality. It's just it's something, it's something you've got to accept right from the start. Thirdly, the quest of life is not to have it easy, but to be a strong person. Even among Christians, you know, oh, why is this? Like, that is, there's no promise of an easy life. It's to be a strong person, to cope with the rigors of life. And here's something that I, you've heard me say this many times, a lot of things that happen make no sense. It's, it's pointless trying to even make sense of them. And I get a little irritated when Christians want to have an answer for every bad thing that happens. Well, it must have been the time for that little baby to be planted in God's garden or something like I mean, a lot of things just don't make sense and it's not worth trying to make sense of them. It's just one of those things. And, and, and like, but, but here's the thing. Through faith in Christ, we can make sense of the things that otherwise make no sense. We can make sense of them by the way we exhibit resilience, faith, courage, all of those things. And some of you here do that so powerfully, so beautifully. These have become more than just slogans for me, more than just things you pluck out of a Helen Steiner Rice book or something like that. You know, these have become life truths for me based on the Word of God. They've become part of my DNA. In the reading today, Romans 5, verses 3 and following, brought to us by Anne. Look at what it says. Trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval. Notice the starting point is trouble. It's trouble that produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval. His approval creates hope, and this hope does not disappoint us. Wow. Get your head around that. That's how we receive the blessing and the approval of God as we endure through the troubled times of life. We're going to unpack that. Here's another great blessing. Rising from being a follower of Jesus, it's given me an eternal perspective on life. Now, friends, that, that's, that's so special. You know, I, like, like so many of you, I no longer fear death. I, I might be fearful of how that actually happens. Uh, you know, I, I, some of you heard me mention one time I confessed to somebody that I was afraid of flying back in the old days uh, before I was, became a real confident flyer. And uh, they said, oh, you're, you're afraid of flying. You're a Christian. You're not afraid of death. I said, I'm not afraid of death, but like how long does it take to die from, you know, from 40,000 feet? You know, Hell! I mean, I watch air crash investigations. I know what, I, I know what, I know what happens. And uh, I mean, no man of faith is going to save you from that sort of fear. But beyond death, there's no fear. I no longer, with an eternal perspective, friends, I no longer have to solve everything. Can you identify with me on that? And that, that's such a blessing. Like, you don't, because you know that there are some things this side of heaven won't be solved. But there's the key phrase, this side of heaven. On the other side, I mean, Paul, in, the, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about now, we, now what we see is like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Or some of the older versions say, yeah, through a glass darkly. But the more modern translations say, through, a, through puzzling reflections in a mirror. And the Corinthians would have known what Paul was talking about because the ancient mirrors, they made them and they were made of polished metal. But even the very best ones, there was still that element of distortion 
sort of puzzling reflections. And Paul said, that's how it is for many things in life. Why suffering? Why did that happen? We don't know. It's like a puzzling image. He says, but but then he goes on and he says, one day we will see God as he sees us. One day we will know God as he knows us. When you've got an eternal perspective on life, you don't have to solve everything. And you recognise that ultimate justice and judgment is in his hands as well. And that sort of helps you to be a little more peaceful about some of the really bad things that that happen in life. Uh, I know, with an eternal perspective, I know that because he lives, I will live also. And I really resonate. I love the passage in John chapter 11, verse 25. This is the setting where Lazarus has died, one of Jesus' best friends. And his sisters are in grief. And they say to Jesus, you know, if if you'd been here, Lord, this wouldn't even happen. And Jesus said, well, you know, your brother will live. And Martha said, well, well, I know he'll uh, be raised on the day of resurrection. And Jesus says, listen, sister, you're talking to the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they be dead, yet shall they live. Like the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You have an eternal perspective on life. It's just so liberating. So, so beautiful to experience in, in, at a first-hand level. Finally, my decision to follow Christ has given me the assurance of a saviour. That was at the heart of the question that Colin Bowser asked me all those years ago. Will you take Jesus Christ to be your Lord and saviour? Now, friends, I'll agree. While at 15, the motivation for answering I will may have had something to do with being saved from damnation and punishment. Uh, I'll grant you that. But, you know, throughout my adult years, it has been so much more than that. So much more. I mean, having Jesus Christ as one saviour means being saved not only from something, it means being saved for something, as Sam so often says on a Sunday night. Saved for service and ministry. Saved for a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Personal. Saved for a life of grace and forgiveness, both that which we receive and that which in his strength we're able to dispense and to give. Only the forgiven can really forgive and extend grace. Well, I was extremely nervous and I'd already begun to think of more reasons why I could put it off for one more week. Back there all those years ago at Wiley Park Church of Christ. But I'm so glad I didn't put it off. I'm so glad I stepped forward, much to the amazement of all the gathered throng. (laughs) I'm so glad I said I will. And friends, I really couldn't put my happiness in any more effective way than a paraphrase of Romans 5.11. Again, one of the verses read to us by Anne earlier. And so this is a paraphrase, my paraphrase. I rejoice because of what God has done through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has now made me God's friend. I guess that probably sums up my testimony, if you like. That's that's it in a nutshell. God is not just some otherworldly, totally detached entity like some distant uncle that nobody ever talks about. Uh, But we know he's angry and he's mean and he's out there somewhere. No, no, no. God is a personal friend. And I'm confident that through Jesus Christ, I have a personal relationship with him. In essence... In essence, what I've done today is I've outlined the benefits of being a Christian. That's what I've tried to do. I've outlined the benefits. And can I say to Christians here today, 
these blessings, these benefits are not meant for self-gratification. So we can say, oh, all these blessings, oh, thank you, God. These are meant to be shared. They're meant to be lived out. Okay, I get the privilege of declaring them from a platform. You get the privilege of sharing them in your lifestyle and among the people with whom you mix and meet. But everybody whom we encounter at some point or other, if we're in an ongoing relationship, need to get some idea from us as to all of these benefits because they're, in a nutshell, are the benefits and the blessings of being a follower of Jesus. In week three, when I talk about I can, we'll look more closely at the responsibilities of being a Christian. But for now, they are the blessings and the benefits. Am I speaking to somebody this morning who's yet to become a Christian? In most of our services, we have people in that category. Can I urge you to think about these issues? Can I urge you to look more closely at what the Bible says about the fact that we can have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Can I urge you to, to look a little further, probe a little deeper, ask a, more, a little more insistently? A church like Northside is designed to help people make that great discovery. Meanwhile, if you are a follower of Jesus, look for opportunities to declare and share and live out these benefits. You'll be amazed at the difference you might start making. Let's bow in prayer, shall we?